passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. And we are live, everybody. Welcome once again to the Cafe Hangout. I am John Pollock, along with Wei Ting, the man steering the ship. I am just here in the backseat along for the ride. And we hope all of you are going to jump on board over the next hour. So thank you so much for joining us here. The, the special Friday edition of the Cafe Hangout. It's nice to be open at a different time of the day. Yes. I mean, if you ever want to see the, the influence that the WWE shareholders have, it's it's the direct impact it's had on the Cafe Hangout this week by moving us a day later so that we can discuss all that was said and what was reported on Thursday in regards to the WWE's first quarter earnings report, which I am going to I think every quarter we should have a title like what what you would put out the title of this quarterly report this year's or this quarter's report. I think the title is, I think we're going to be okay. Sure. Okay. I think WWE is going to make it. Uh, 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 The optimistic approach. Is that how you would really sum up this particular call? I think that, well, I mean, they, they exceeded the expectations uh, of the market of what they were going to report. They came in uh, above their revenue projections, above their profit expectations for the quarter and I think that everything we discuss in this report, we do need to outline the time frame that this is the first three months of the year. And realistically, we're looking at two months, uh, two weeks of when the, the COVID-19 crisis really hit the U.S. and directly impacted their business. I think that the second quarter will have a much greater um, reflection of what the pandemic has had on WWE's business. But underlying all of that is what we have said over and over, that the key is – their, their television rights deals, and they seem very secure, and there is no reason to expect that they're going to be compromised in any way as long as WWE is delivering this programming, that they that there, there's no sign of that changing. Mm-hmm. Before we dive right into it, I, I wanted to say hi to, to the several people who are joining us in the chat room. Many of you guys joining maybe perhaps for the first time given a different time slot. So hello to Richard. Hello, MJ from NJ. Hello, Imran. Hello, Eric Marcote. Hello, Jordan Yates, Doug Greenwood, Scott Douglas, Alex Francois. Thank you guys all for joining us. And we look forward to hearing from some of you later on in the show when we open up the phone lines. But before we do that, shall we just dive right in, John? Uh, yeah, let's look at uh, some of the highlights here. Um, I don't want to just uh, just uh, throw in all, all these numbers and stuff. We'll try and like explain what all of this means. But some some of the key notes from the report and from the call afterwards. So they had revenue of just over two hundred and ninety one million dollars for the quarter. That's up from over one hundred eighty two in last year's quarter. So again, that is very much their their core content rights with the new deal with the with uh, NBC Universal, the new Fox deal that they also uh, have uh, had some international deals as well. This is the last quarter of the old terms of their deal in India. So in the next quarter, that new deal will start to take effect as well. Uh, plus, we had uh, the card in, in Saudi Arabia back in, in February also. Uh, so this led to uh, a profit of just over $26.1 million for the quarter. Uh, last year, in this quarter, they lost $8.4 million. So they, they're financially, this first quarter was uh, a strong one. Uh, Wall Street has reflected that at, at today um, with after hours trading and the stock market opening today. They are trading over $44. So they're up. They're up over $5 from yesterday's close. So that has been a strong response. When it comes to how they are equipped to handle the crisis ahead, 
they mentioned that they, as of March 31st, uh, they have $292 million of cash, cash equivalents and short-term investments, plus $200 million in cash from its revolving line of credit. So their, their liquidity position is just under $500 million that they said will provide adequate liquidity in this uncertain time. So they are very well equipped for what, what is to come. And again, it's the, the media section with these uh, television rights that are astronomical for them. They grew year over year from $68 million to 133.2. You go back way like two years when this was the time that they were getting set to announce these two new television deals. And the UFC was also in the midst of their negotiations. How different this industry would be had their deals been coming up now versus two years ago. And Vince McMahon even alluded to it that that huge deal that they were in discussions with regarding the WWE Network, they had multiple suitors that were very interested, but then, as he characterized it, the bottom fell out and didn't give any indication that one of those deals could be coming. Like these broadcasters and major media companies, they are not looking at big long term investments at the moment when they are in free fall mode themselves. Everything's changed within the past month. Um, and I think you immediately see the effects of it with Vince McMahon himself with the current status of the XFL. Uh, that was a league created, you know, with the idea perhaps to capitalize on these very same lucrative contracts that Vince, I think, judging by the current landscape, decided to throw the towel in. I would say, like, to a lot of people, perhaps, it, it, you know, would they would even consider it prematurely. But I think it goes to show you where his head is at and really how lucky they got with the timing of their particular deals. Um, I found this that, call... That's a great link that you just made, that as he was probably very hands-on with this WWE Network deal and getting the sign that we are not spending any money right now that has to alert you to the, the prospects of the XFL. And I'm sure that like one could very well do with the other of, you know, getting, you know, the firsthand account of what the market is at the moment and the prospects of the XFL. Are we going to put uh, two or three seasons of losses and it, this is just going to be money that's burnt? Mm-hmm. You know, the timing of this call is really, really fascinating in, in that the first quarter really it. It was only affected by the pandemic, I would say, for what, three weeks? Something like that? Oh, not even three weeks. Not even they three started, weeks. They started going to the empty arena shows uh, with the March 13th SmackDown. So we're, we're talking like mid-March. And we're also talking about their first quarter with these TV deals. Um, their first Q1 with these TV deals in place. So really, they are in a position to have you know set in stone these massive numbers that they were going to celebrate anyway. But these numbers look even better compared to the current status of the world. Um, and, you know, the cutoff point being, what is it, April for, for Q1? Um, so I found this call really to be a big boastful, almost, I would say, a bit of a celebration about how well they were able to weather the storm. Of course, you know, again, making sure to realize that we're talking largely about a quarter that was not really taken place, not really affected by the pandemic. That's it. I mean, you're talking, you know, a, a couple of live events. Live events were a loser on in, in this quarter. So you can argue like the loss of live events is actually a positive for them uh, in terms of running house shows. And way less live events were run this quarter. And that was not because of the pandemic. That was because of an internal decision to cut out a lot of your um, your your bottom end house shows that are dragging your average attendance down. This Vince McMahon in the call repeatedly brought up what the live event business will even look like in the future. Mm -hmm. And I think that that goes not just in terms of the actual fan experience at live events, but also this company's philosophy towards live events. This is a company that creates television and they get paid for television. Live events are not even kind of just a a small revenue driver they are now a loss leader and now it comes to what what is the what is the leader portion of that equation like what are we getting out of live events uh, especially in smaller markets that we're, we're overall losing money in this sector and it's not just a one-off quarter that we're losing money it's pretty consistent now certainly yeah i mean you know hearing i think vince say talk about it in in a pretty blunt way about you know uh 
considering really the, the the future status of live events itself, I really do feel like the, this was the pandemic comes at a time where it, it just gives them even a greater excuse to make major adjustments to their model, perhaps even shelving them altogether at this point, um, because everything's changing and recovery from this coronavirus is certainly a big deal. So if you're talking about, you know, rushing back to um, institute something that's really for them losing money for their business. I don't know if I would certainly be in any, any sort of rush, really the benefits of live events at this point, what would you consider them to be? It is the arguments would be certainly um, your talent that gets experience Mm -hmm. that gets, you know, it's payoffs as well for some of your, your lower level talent that you can uh, populate these. It's a chance to go, go to cities that you're not going to be bringing television to venue merchandise, um, you know, you can make the argument that there is a value to it. But we're also talking about like when you a year ago, this this sector lost two hundred thousand dollars. You're talking about two hundred thousand dollars of losses versus other intangibles that you benefit from live events this year. Three point two million dollars. So we're talking mm-hmm. about a, a big gap now of what is being lost on these shows and live events. That's also like, believe me, if this company had not adjusted from a live event business to a television content business, they would be in shambles at the moment. Uh, if that was, if that was their, uh, what they were leaning on, if that was their, their revenue model, they have uh, pivoted very successfully away from that. And that's a generation removed from house shows being the, 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 the main revenue driver. So yeah, live events. I think that now if their plan was cutting down on house shows, you can very much expedite that. And there, there's no telling when house shows will even be options that the whole point of live events is making money off of consumers coming for a live experience that you cannot provide right now in this environment. Mm-hmm. You know, as far as like the benefit to talent, getting that in-ring experience, I I, I, I do wonder how much of a consideration they're giving towards that, uh, because ultimately I feel like that's something that they might be able to just substitute for something else, you know, like at, at this point, they are essentially paying for practice. And is that something that they would justify? Yeah. And, and it's going to be a different um, it, it's also serving two different things. Like for me, if I'm looking at this, I would say a guy like Austin Theory is a name we can just pull out from. I think he would greatly benefit from a regular house show schedule where he's doing three to four matches per week and is on the road working with different people. That said, if I'm the consumer that's going to a house show and I'm spending like the average ticket price, we're talking $53.46, I want to be seeing the big stars. I want to be seeing the people that probably gain the least from house shows that are your your, your top stars that – your Ray Mysterios, your Daniel Bryan's uh, go off. You're not necessarily paying that money for an Austin Theory, but those are the ones you'd be arguing benefit most from it, just from the actual application of these shows. How did you feel like Vince McMahon overall came across in this call? Um, I thought that he was certainly way more vocal in this than usual. Typically, he kind of does his opening remarks and he'll chime in here and there. Uh, and this call was largely headed by Vince McMahon and uh, Frank Riddick, who is the acting CFO since George Barrios and Michelle Wilson left. Uh, their names never brought up, by the way. And on the over-under way of numbers, uh, times the XFL would be brought up, absolutely zero. Mm-hmm. The XFL was ever raised, nor Alpha Entertainment. None of that was addressed uh, on this call or asked by the shareholders. And I did not see uh, Vince McMahon openly introducing that that topic either. So – uh, inter- getting back to Vince McMahon, I think we got a sense from him of I think he gave a message that was probably an assuring one to shareholders that are watching this from a glance. I found it really troublesome when I'm hearing him talk about how they are very family oriented within this uh, current pandemic, how they're going about this. Um, you know, the, the the cuts and everything, the furloughs. That was not a major topic brought up here. And let's remember, this quarter they had, it does not reflect the savings that they just made by all of these these cutbacks, which took place earlier this month. And I mean, even moving forward, you have uh, potential severance packages, people that are on these 90-day no-competes. Like There is still expenses uh, involving employees and independent contractors. Um, 
Mm-hmm. So anyway, that that was a smaller theme. How how about you with uh, Vince McMahon and? his overall messaging because there, there was a lot here of Vince McMahon. I was certainly interested to see what sort of Vince we were going to get, you know, after going through, I would say a pretty tumultuous month in his life. Um, were we going to get, you know, pissed off Vince, like a Bob Costas Vince in contrast, I thought he was incredibly calm, very composed and very optimistic, you know, whether or not you consider these sort of, uh, um, uh, earnings calls as performances. I mean, ultimately the result is, a stock going up or down based off of the news that is delivered here. And I would say uh, in large part, like how Vince McMahon himself sounds. I thought if the goal of Vince was to not only inform the investors, but to inspire confidence in the company, I think he did a good job. Much of the message was these are trying times for everybody, but we're handling it better than most. And we're prepared for uncertainty better than most. Frank, you want to take that question? Oh, you go ahead, Vince. No, you take it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, um, but you know there was a there was certainly like if you look at this quarter in a vacuum, there was certainly you know good news to celebrate. Um, specifically, you know before everything really got hit with coronavirus, um, I also wanted to perhaps talk a little bit about you know the, the, you and I were certainly wondering if there was going to be any more clarity about what these TV contracts uh, meant, or at least you know the specifics in, in regards to how how um what 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 requirement they have in, in regards to tape versus live and there was in my opinion i i would say very little indication that there was any sort of dispute about tape versus live i mean really the most we got from vince was talking about how you know they, they have the networks back and the networks have their back so to me i come out of this still really asking why there was that taping schedule change from a couple weeks back yeah um i i didn't expect any of the the shareholders to get that in de- in depth w- re- regarding you know that kind of news that I, I don't even know how many of these shareholders are necessarily following the day to day and would be aware of the difference in uh, live versus tape that this company has gone through to the extent that talent was flowing down to Florida ready to do tapings all weekend and then are sent home uh, because we're all of a sudden going live every week and then changing course on that. Yeah, the way this was presented was Vince McMahon stating that these broadcasters, they are they are happy just that they're getting content from WWE and doesn't seem like they will be sticklers for live versus taped. Um, it, it is interesting. I just listened to uh, Gary Bettman's interview with Ron McClain the other night and like the NHL, they are not getting any revenue right now from their broadcast partners. So that's, um, you know, and, and they're not obviously presenting new content. So that's that's where things uh, fall in uh, regarding the NHL. But here it seems, yeah, um, I would say if you had any doubts or concern about those television contracts, I mean, Vince McMahon pretty much stated that there is there is nothing to suggest that there would be uh, any any problems from the networks who he did note are going through their own problems at the moment as well. And how long this this continues for them um I mean, WWE just feels like they're very secure in in their contracts by just delivering two two hours of new content to Fox on Fridays and three hours on USA Monday nights, along with NXT. And if that was the case, I mean, it still makes me question why they resorted to sort of this like half live, half tape model instead of just going, you know, a full week, full week's worth of tapings like they had originally scheduled. Yeah, it's. Like the savings on that would be that much more. Like they are saving a great amount by taping versus going live each week. Which Not to mention was, the risk, the health the, risk, the, the risk factor as well, uh, and also the fact that I mean Vince McMahon noted in here, like shooting at the performance center, it's way like everything's set up. It's like we aren't renting these these giant arenas. The the travel is mitigated. You're also drawing from a lot of Florida based talent that is driving in versus flying in. Um, and we should talk about some of the safety precautions that were brought up. The fact that those that are being brought in, they are sequestered in a hotel when they come here. They added that um, this is when Paul Levesque was brought onto the call and mentioned this company they're working with called Allied Bioscience that have developed this spray that cleans surface surfaces. And once the coating is on, it lasts 90 to 100 days to contain or manage – the spray uh, or manage the spread of bacteria. And I mean, this sounds uh, 
Like a miracle. Yeah, it sounds like some wacky science that I would want to learn more about. Um, mm. But I mean, to, I mean, to this point, we're aware of one person that has come down with, with COVID-19 within the company. That's all that we have heard of so far mm. that I'll be honest, like uh, six weeks ago, if you had told me there would be no in-ring wrestler that's come down with this, I would say that's that's an extremely optimistic viewpoint and to to this point, we have at least not seen that happen yet. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, quarantining th- the talent at, at a hotel, I, I thought was pretty interesting. That was not something I personally knew before. And they re- they did restate that the, they were changing ropes and changing turnbuckles uh, and changing mats before the matches. So They, they said changing ropes and turnbuckles between matches. Between which, matches, ag- yes. Which, again, had they been going live... I would say you have to compromise on that. How can you be changing this stuff in between matches if you're going live or even close to live? Well, they have been going live for the past two weeks. Well, how are you changing the ropes and turnbuckles between matches? Well, we've seen the 205 Live crew move pretty fast, at least when it comes to you know changing ropes. Um, can they change the mat at the same time? I mean, don't they do that? Didn't they do that before the 205 Live tapings? Uh, they, they would do that... They're not changing the ropes and turnbuckles, though, between 205 Live. You would usually see, like, yeah. They the... used to. They used to at least change the tape is what they would do. But yeah, I, who knows? I'm not I, – I, I can't really uh, speak it to It just seems specific. ambitious when we got, what, like 10 matches on Raw this past Monday. Were there, were there that many changes in between? I mean, maybe there are. So let's uh, – we can mm. give the benefit of the doubt there. Um, uh, I guess other news coming out of this. I wanted to chat a bit about the WWE Network numbers. So. Sure. At the end of the quarter, they had a million sixty-four, one million six hundred forty-four thousand subscribers, and that was just under one point five million paid and one hundred forty-nine thousand free subscribers. They also released the number the day after WrestleMania, which they they just gave out the total, which was two million ninety-eight thousand uh, subscribers, which to me on paper sounds very impressive. Uh, in the KPI, they do have the breakdown, so that is a million. 622,000 paid subscribers, 476,000 free subscribers, which would be uh, the most they've ever had for a day after WrestleMania. So to me, this says that there was a great interest in WrestleMania, but also a very savvy audience that knew how to get it for free, which is interesting because in the week leading up, they were significantly downplaying this year that get WrestleMania for free on the network and instead pushing you to the Fox sports app and not wanting you to be beholden to one place. (laughs) And I mean, the idea was let's reach as many people as possible by being on these other platforms like Fox sports and fight. And to me, it says that, okay, you got the word out, but those people were knowledgeable enough to know I am not dropping money on this show. I can get it for free. Um, Cause from year over year, there was a 104% increase in free subscribers the day after WrestleMania. So mm-hmm. that's not completely a negative if we look next quarter and if they can retain 30% of that, then that's that's the goal. That's what WrestleMania is designed to do, bring people into the door and then they become paid subscribers. So if they completely lose all these free subscribers, then it's, well, people were interested in this show and they were dumping the network right after yeah, we shall see at this point, you know, how many people um, have learned sort of the gaming of the WWE Network free subscri- subscription. But overall, I mean, I, I, I think... can't imagine what the number is, and it probably will never come out of who bought it on Fight and who bought it on Fox Sports, but it yeah. has to be minuscule. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we look forward to seeing the next number uh, as, far you, as far as the WWE Network to see how much uh, they might have retained. Can we talk a little bit about um, TV ratings? Because I found that question to be pretty interesting. There was a question brought up about um, soft ratings currently going on within the wwe and vince's answers were were pretty interesting he basically blamed these soft ratings on the mt arena shows and said at the same time that they're doing better than expectations despite this handicap um he even talks about how they're looking for advantages to this current mt arena format because he says it allows them to go out to do things like you know such as more cinematic matches i really found it interesting when he said that smackdown has seen virtually no change in ratings and i was a little confused by that because what does he mean by this is he comparing a fox number to a usa number or is he yes 
Yeah, in, the, in this quarter, in this quarter, they're comparing it um, for this year on Fox, where they're in many more homes than they were on USA the year prior. So um, to to compare, um, SmackDown year over year is up 16 percent. But as Way mentioned, you are comparing this to the USA number, and we haven't seen SmackDown numbers decline until these last couple of weeks. So mm-hmm. that's going to be seen if this trend continues until the next quarter, because SmackDown was holding up during the first quarter. Raw, on the other hand, down 16%. And yeah, he brought up the the empty arena settings, but also he mentioned that we don't have Brock Lesnar, which is, yes, you did. You had him just as much as you have every quarter in the first leading up to this. He was in the lead up to the Rumble. He was in the lead up to WrestleMania. He's never been a regular weekly character, but he was there just as often as not. And then also coupled with new performers that we're introducing that are going to uh, take some time. But he is of the belief that Raw will um, will, will turn around. I, so, I look at it. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, for me, it was like this was the point of confusion because I, I, I sense when he was talking about Fox or when, ta- when talking about SmackDown, he was comparing the overall number of the quarter this year versus last year. So you would figure when he was talking about Raw, he'd be talking about the same thing. But the lack of Brock Lesnar and the introduction of the brand new talent, that really is something that's only been taking place for the past couple weeks. Yeah. And so how it how is he... it was like he was talking. He was talking about Raw's performance and the factors in the present tense, that being this current quarter we're in. Mm. But then with SmackDown, he's saying it's holding up really well. And he's speaking in the past tense from the first quarter, which it's it was two different timelines to explain why SmackDown is doing well and why why Raw, uh, we shouldn't be deterred by its decline. Uh, you know, the second quarter. If these are all empty arena shows, it's going to be declines for both shows in this next quarter that much more. Uh, we're, we're seeing Raw hitting historical lows. SmackDown it just hit its lowest number ever on Fox this past Friday. And unless something happens that curbs this trend, um, I, like I just I don't see that changing in this format because people are you're just really uh, eating away at your core audience that is. To me, it all comes down to the empty arena setting. That is what I look at as the biggest factor. I don't think it's a reflection of the quality of the show. It's more so just the fact of these empty arena shows that people are turned off by. Unless they are able to acquire the rights to air the final eight episodes of The Last Dance within their time slots. I don't see really any like major sporting event um, like in this format being able to make significant gains in viewership. Uh- over the next little while. Yeah. And again, with these networks, like you just have to go through, like, I'm just watching what sports networks up here in Canada are running. Like we've got like Maple Leafs games from back in December where you're bringing on players to talk about the game. Like they are just trying to fill whatever they can that I can see how wrestling is being leaned upon heavily, like wrestling. It's doing well numbers. Like again, with Ron Smackdown being down, Still in comparison, Raw is still doing very well on cable Monday nights. SmackDown has definitely dropped. It's it, like it is falling in comparison to how it was ranking against uh, scripted programming on Friday nights. Um, so that that's kind of where you're at with with the television viewership. But it was more so interesting to try and get the 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 time continuum that <laughs> Vince McMahon was treading back and forth with uh, during this call. Uh, during the Q and A, they also uh, addressed uh, there would be no new video game release this year after the um, critical reviews of 2K20. So that's probably, uh, I would say, under the best of circumstances, this might have been a year to take off of that video game franchise and really, uh, to borrow a phrase, reimagine their video game franchise. I think a bit of a blessing in disguise, for sure. I mean, you're coming off of just the worst press I've ever heard for a WWE video game. Maybe let that team cook it a little bit longer um, let it recover uh, a little bit and come back with, with the game that is actually very solid. I'll say with all these um, cinematic presentations, it's a lot of uh, ideas that could play very well to a, a new idea for their video game. It could. Um, I'd love to see how they would institute a Firefly Funhouse match in a video game. I think you could do like the Money in the Bank, like, you know, Titan Towers thing pretty well. Like that, that is a video game come oh, yeah. to life, that match. For sure. Uh, also, some updates on the on the con- content rights. 
um, deals that were much talked about at the last earnings call. Essentially, everything is delayed due to the coronavirus. Yeah, the they they brought up the MENA deal for the the Middle Eastern uh, and North African regions that they have not completed a deal. And I mean, Vince McMahon frankly said that it's it's taken. Uh, they would like to be done this deal, but it seems like everything is on pause at the moment. Um, again, they they mentioned like the new deal with with India with uh, with uh, so- Sony will go into effect in the second quarter. So this was still the the old terms of their last deal in the first quarter. And in regards to Saudi Arabia, they said that they Saudi Arabia wants them to come in November or December, but they may not get the go ahead to do that. So what would happen is that they would take the second show for 2020 and tack it on to the back end of the deal. So you would take the hit financially this year, but be made up on the back end. So in the grand scheme of things, they would not they, they would not lose out on any revenue. It would just be delaying one show to the end of this deal. He seemed incredibly like, I would say, relaxed about, you know, concerns about things like that. He's like, oh, no big deal. We'll just like tack it on to the end eight, nine years later. Uh, now, what about uh, updates on on perhaps them selling their content rights for something like their pay-per-views? I mean, the, the tone in this was that there are no immediate plans or they've certainly cooled down from where we heard in the last call where it just seemed like a deal was imminent to the point Vince McMahon was stating like it could be announced this quarter. So that came and went. I can't imagine for the amount of money that WWE would want, um, coupled with the fact that I think WrestleMania overperformed on the network, even, even leaning on free subscribers, making up that number. Um, I, I don't know how much investment, um, Look at these streaming services. What would you be willing to spend in this current climate um, for for content that mm-hmm. you would have to overspend? And you're looking at the profitability way down the road. It's like again, streaming services like DAZN. I mean, they have suspended um, their payments on content that's not being delivered to them. Um, the the Peacock Network just did their soft launch. I mean, to me, these networks. I think it's an awful time to be launching. Um, while at the same time, you're seeing Disney Plus and Netflix surging at the moment, but I think that's they are going to be the major uh, influencers for those that are at home right now that want streaming content. Are they? I don't know if the same is going to apply to smaller niche services, but you know, maybe in the WWE Network's case, they found like WrestleMania. It maybe our paid subs were down, but there was interest to see this show, and there may be a hidden value during this pandemic to having a WWE, an existing streaming service that does have already a foundation of subscribers. Any further thoughts before we move to some calls? Um, no, we can, we can uh, open up the phone lines. And if anyone wants to bring up any other uh, topics that were raised, there was uh, quite a lot here, but I would say overall like this, um, the stock price reflects it. Like this was met very well. And the second quarter, that will be interesting because we won't have the same level of revenue from a WrestleMania. Uh, number Television numbers are going to take a hit. Advertising and sponsorship, you would think, are going to be way down because that would not be reflected in the first quarter. But in the second, it would be. Um, what, what areas of the business that are apparent on the surface are going to be affected and what are areas that we're not thinking about that may be impacted? But to me, all of that is is underwritten by – the television deals that as long as those are secure, I don't think you can be having any kind of panic about WWE that they should have an enormously profitable year. And I mean, they even said in this quarter that they expect quarter two to be profitable, um, barring any unforeseen changes. Yeah, I, I almost expect a very similar type of call second quarter, you know, because I mean, as long as the TV deals don't really change, it it, it really I can't see there being too much like bad news that'll really rock. I think their their financial status all that much. But I'm very curious to hear what you guys have to say. If you are live right now watching us, do call in on Skype by searching for post wrestling, and we will try to get to your call as many calls as we can before the end of the show. John, um, any you know immediate questions that you think should have been asked that weren't really that you would have loved to have seen like investors discuss? I mean, I wasn't expecting the, um, 
all, all the cutbacks to be addressed too heavily. Um, certainly that is, I think, um, a completely rational follow-up to all of this is in this in this environment was this absolutely necessary when we uh, cut elsewhere and were these cuts absolutely necessary? Um, they did mention like the FS1 deal for, for the Tuesday nights and with um, uh, the ESPN deal that brought the three WrestleManias in. Um, I was maybe looking for a little more information on that. Um, th- those would be some. Uh, but to me, uh, in terms of all the bad press WWE has received, uh, that was not, you know, at the forefront of these investors' questions about, you know, if if they should be running in Florida, even with this uh, executive order that's been put into place. Like, n- none of that was really being uh, brought up and didn't seem to be of a concern. It's the, to them, the cost of doing business, and this is the end result. And that seemed to be what they were more so focused on and, and how uh, how the second quarter is going to be impacted because that's going to be the one that more so reflects the pandemic than the first was going to. We've got a number of callers uh, waiting in queue, and please wait for my uh, call or to tell you to unmute yourselves, and you'll be brought on air. And I think we're going to start off here with MJ. MJ from MJ, are you there? I'm here, guys. Are you there? We're here. John, are you still there? I'm here. I'm listening. Oh, wonderful. Great. I was I was nervous that John might have dropped off when I called in. John, are, are we okay? Uh, you tell me, MJ. Well... I would just like to say that I have never been more proud to be a supporter of post-wrestling. Your coverage, last week you dropped that long article, uh, Andrew Thompson put up something last night, and then I saw you had the notes, is how I think um, through all of this that the WWE probably needs to be covered. Um, I think that there's sometimes a disconnect in the way that we talk about wrestling and the way that the company actually operates as a uh, public entity and that's not to excuse them and that's not to say that they're justified in what they do but I think that it's important fundamental difference in talking about a wrestling product in a wrestling company versus a public market product because essentially that's what it is as a stock um, but I had a lot of thoughts uh, after the last like two weeks of things so I don't want to go on too long but um I think it's really early in this whole pandemic to really understand what the long-term outlook is going to be in the media industry. Um, you see a lot of different notes coming out from analysts that not just they didn't not the WWE, but just in general, right? Like the burn rates of cash for networks. Um, you see some industries where advertising is going to be down 80, 90 percent. Um, certainly the live events component of the WWE, but also just in general, that was something I thought was interesting. Uh, I forget it. It's Laura something, but she's at Needham. She's always talking on these uh, calls, and she posted up something today um, where she almost said that WWE right now is demonstrating best-in-class practices on how to operate live events. Now, does that mean that they should be covering, they should be doing live events, or that it's safe, or that it's the right thing to do for their um, independent contractors? No, and that's a separate conversation. But I think yeah, it's, it's, I, I don't know if you can say best in class, maybe only in class. At the oh, moment. Well, exactly. They are the only in class, which, um, which one by of its very nature, I, I mean, you could certainly question um, <laughs> should class be in session right now, much less be grading the performances of those in a singular environment. But a hundred percent agree with you on that. Um, I think kind of in our exchange on the forum, like I think we agree on way more things. Um, then it came out. And certainly I would like to just say that I echo all of your sentiments when it comes to concern and safety and whether or not, like to your point, should they be, should class be in session? I think we all probably feel that it is not the safest thing and probably not appropriate to be doing what they've been doing, especially as early as they have been doing it. Um, That said, I also tend to look at the other side of the coin on this and not as a justification but that we are going to see, and we're seeing it now here in America, today, certain states reopen. Judgment aside on what's safe and not safe, like these are all realities that we're going to be facing. And that is, to me, the other side of the coin is like, okay, they're going to do this. We can agree that they probably shouldn't. Now let's talk about what safety measures are they taking. So like they, they, that came up yesterday on the call. Um, are those acceptable safety measures? Are those in guidance with what the government is saying and what other health professionals are saying? 
because it's not just the WWE. One thing Vince said yesterday, which was super snarky and very, uh, uh, very, it was very Trump of him to do. We're first, like everything else, we're first, right? He said that about being operating live uh, tapings right now and all of that. And we can all probably agree as wrestling fans that have followed this company and followed this industry, they've been forerunners in a lot of things that have taken place. You look at the network when that came out. You look at even the way that we adopted wrestling on the internet as an internet community back in the late 90s and early 2000s. Like wrestling seems to have this whatever it is, step forward. And I don't want to say it's a good step forward, but they seem to be ahead on things. Um, and I think that we're seeing now kind of other industries or other businesses start to catch up to where WWE was like two weeks ago when I think a lot of heat was, and probably rightfully so, placed on that company. Well, I, I would say that when it comes to it, like just, you know, reading so much about all the logistics that these sports leagues are going through at the moment. I mean, one like absolutely important point in all of this, it's like, there is no way that, that like the players associations in all of this, yes, there is an incentive for these players to get back and to be playing. But I mean, it just seems to me that the WWE has such an enormous advantage over everybody else because of their their setup, that they don't have to go through all of those added hoops, that they did not have to miss a beat in all of this, and and you can argue whether that's that's right or wrong. Um, that's the, they have that ability to do that, and they they are utilizing that that fact. But it's just when you look at how the NBA and the NHL and Major League Baseball, the ideas that they are coming up with that sound so extreme and when you have doctors stating like the amount of isolation that's necessary before play is even introduced um i mean wwe they have been extremely lucky that they i, I think ultimately this is going to be uh weighted by the the consequences here they have they have not had um they've had the one positive case thus far of an unknown employee um if there was a rash of cases I think this would be viewed completely differently, but thus far they have they have skirted that. So I mean, in terms of the the safety precautions, all we can do is judge by what the end result has been. And thus far, through all of these matches, we are not aware of any wrestler that has competed that has come down with us. Yeah, it's an unfortunate reality, and we keep bumping into this probably every few months. This independent contractor, this lack of a union, um, it's really unfortunate it's upsetting because we care about these performers in a way that uh, you know i i don't think this is a true statement but i'm just going to say it you know do we as wrestling fans care more about this than they do themselves because we never hear people talk about it and it's not just i mean david stars out there talking about it he's the only one and it's not just the contracted wrestlers to wwe or AEW. it's like how are there this many indie wrestlers out there that never get on the soapbox about this in a meaningful way. Um, and and MJ, I, I give you, credit to David. Really, are you asking that that question seriously? Like why an independent no, I, no. would not be dis taking the David star route. I mean, look at David star and places he can't work. I mean, to me, that's the exact, um, the consequence of this system, like no independent wrestler that has any aspirations of working for WWE, which is 98% of them are going to be taking that that tact at all. I I, I couldn't even fathom uh, anyone doing that. Yeah, no, I pre John, I preface it by saying I don't believe it to be a true statement. So I'm not, it's rhetorical, but it's how many, what's, what's it going to take for, because it is going to require 80%, 90% of talent to get involved. What's it going to take, you know, if this isn't it? Is it just such a thing that's, it's never happening? Like this is the system, it's never happening. And then to that point, is it is it mute? Um, because it is unfortunate. Like we, this should not be even discussed in the sense of, is it safe for the talent? Like there should be a union, there should be an association. Each company should be doing some more. Like I'm, I'm in the camp. More has to be done. It's an unfortunate reality that it's not anything that seems realistic or even practical because of the industry. Um, and because of the setup that is basically being put in place for decades now. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, I, I just I think it, it it's not something that to me it's I mean, we, we can talk about it till we're blue in the face. But this is not something I expect to ever see in my lifetime. I will be stunned if I do. Uh, if you look at different scenarios, this being one of them, 
if that is not your rallying cry, what would be? We're, we're talking about, I mean, at its core, this talent that is going to the performance center on a weekly basis in order to fulfill these television contracts that they see nothing out of, that ones that did benefit out of this uh, increased revenue from television, uh, like a Carl Anderson and a Luke Gallows are, are released, um, and talent that were working on these shows that were released. So, I mean, if that does not uh, bring an industry together, a company uh, of workers together, I just think it's so ingrained that no one is going to be broaching that topic. It will take a seismic shift in the culture for such a, a union or association to form that I, I just can't imagine that happening in, in this lifetime. Yeah, it, it, again, I echo, it's really unfortunate too, but I, I echo what you say. I don't expect to see it in my lifetime or you know, my fandom. Um, real quick on the, on the earnings um, in, in the layoffs that took place, because there was something you brought up in your research last week that I thought was really important, something I had been thinking about as soon as I saw that they did layoffs or cost-cutting measures and didn't fully see the extent of who it was and what it is and how much the savings were. Um, and and can, you can correct me if I'm wrong on the call yesterday. So Vince made some kind of comment like, we have no debt, um, which I don't know to be true. Um, they certainly have a revolving credit line, which is debt. You can't, that, that's not money you get to keep. You got to pay it back. Um, but the terms of their debt, I know they did that big deal with Morgan Stanley that Vince was trying to, to get liquid and try to get a couple hundred million in cash, I think, through that, um, putting up stock, put, basically putting up shares in the future at certain prices. Um, one thing that I would be very curious, it doesn't come out on the calls, but is this concept of um, debt covenants and is this concept of cash on hand or, or things that they must satisfy in order to not be deemed in default. In default doesn't necessarily mean, I know this because this is the stuff I work on. Default doesn't mean you can't pay back the debt or you don't have the money to. It's you've done something now that has triggered a covenant in an agreement that maybe you have to relinquish certain shares or maybe you have to put up, you know, the collateral that you've put up now um, is in jeopardy. And that is something that I'm just very interested in as someone that's in the, in a, in the financial space. like what applies here to WWE and what are they trying to do um, if they don't think they're getting the 50 million or whatever, 10, 10 to 50 million from Saudi Arabia this year, are they trying to basically create a buffer? And again, that's not a justification or an excuse because they clearly have cash on hand and they're clearly going to be profitable. Um, but it is something that in the conversations about their finances, it piques my interest. And you, you, you uncovered that um, statement in their disclosures about risk associated with their uh, business uh, in the post you made last week, um, which again, I, everyone listening to this should go read those things. They're so good, John. Hey, MJ, thanks for the call. You got it, guys. Be well. All right, we'll uh, continue to take calls as they're uh, coming in. If you want to call in to post wrestling, uh, you can give us a call. Uh, another interesting news story that we haven't uh, touched upon was uh, a hey. Report. Before we continue, John, did, can you just flip on and off your your video because your 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 screen is frozen at the moment. Hello? Hansi, are you currently on this call? Don't know. For some reason, I can't connect with John right now. Uh, I'm going to disconnect with John one more time and try to reconnect him. Apologies, everybody. He's going to have to... His computer crashed, so he's going to have to reset, he's telling me. Okay, no problem. So what's on your mind, Hansi? What, uh, what are your thoughts on, on the earnings and everything else going on? Just two quick things, I guess. I... Uh, with the, uh, with the, I guess the earning call, I guess, I, I think the best way I can uh, kind of uh, uh, add to it, how legit do you think, how legit do you and Pollock think that call anonymously at the Orange County board meetings of that anonymous John employee? Do you guys, like the fact that it made it on the air for that incident, I think is newsworthy enough, but I don't know how legit that is. If it's someone just being a disgruntled person or just kind of like, just like, you know, um, like fucking with like the, like the meeting or something like that. And the other thing, uh, and again, I'll get off. I don't want to lag anymore. Um, with the Jake, with the Jake Atlas thing, I'm glad that he's getting a shot. Um, those people that were complaining online about, Oh, like WWE not admitting that he's gay, but but then like we all complain that if you 
beating people over the head with it, it kind of leads to like, you know, like, oh, are they just doing it for a token thing? So like, I thought they did a perfect job, like just kind of touching on it a little bit, but not really beating over the head. But some people still think, oh, WWE doesn't want to admit that. And then if they do admit that, then people think that like they're using him as a token, essentially. So I just wanted your thoughts on the anonymous call and the Jake Atlas, uh, debut, uh, you know, the Jake Atlas vignette. And I'll, I'll leave you guys with that. Uh, good work as always. I wish I understood the financials um, better, um, but I'm glad I have guys like you to explain it because it's very interesting for someone that doesn't really know much about the financials. All good, Hansi. Thank you for the call. And uh, I'm going to take this opportunity to tell uh, Richard, Neil, Anthony, Brian, please all call us back. Any of you guys that were on the line that we unfortunately lost, please, uh, we'll be we'll be waiting here for you. John, I understand you're back. Uh, I am back. Okay, apologies there. We we were having some. Basically, we're the the cafe is is way too popular on a Friday afternoon, evidently. So uh, we've had a bit of crashing. But anyway, to, wanted to talk about uh, Hansi's points about first of all the um, the anonymous um, uh, I guess report from a WWE employee. Uh, there's no reason for us to believe that it's invalid. I mean, there are a lot of concerns that I think you would believe an employee to actually have. Um, the end result of it all is, you know, a bit of negative press, but I ultimately, though, don't see it changing too much of, of, of uh, their practice. No. Um, yeah, I, I think that it's I think you'd be naive to think that there aren't people that are doing these shows that don't have active concerns that would be going ahead with these shows while still having issues um, and that, you know, what. What is uh, in store if I am one of those people that doesn't go, if I'm low on the pecking order? I think that's a reasonable concern to have. Um, and all we can go by is, you know, this message from someone that claims to be uh, with WWE. But that said, and it's consistent with what I've heard, is that people have been told, like, if you are not comfortable coming, you don't have to. And we know that there are people that have opted to take them up on that. But that's not going to apply across the board. There's going to be people that are conflicted about going, but are going to ultimately do the shows. Hansi also had a second point about um, Jake Allison. I think John and I will talk a little bit about NXT uh, in a little bit once we take th- get through some of these calls. But um, did you have any thoughts on how they were presenting the Jake Atlas persona? Um, I, I didn't have much issue with it. Um, Me neither. Like, I... I don't. I never got the sense that they were trying to hide his sexuality. I know they changed the name of his finisher. Um, he wasn't wear, really wearing a rainbow on his uh, gear, but I, f- I feel like that is something that will slowly come out as you are introduced to the character. It's not something. It doesn't seem to be their style to like overtly. I think um, discuss a, a, a performance sexuality, and certainly I understand if they did do that, that they would be met with criticism as well. So I. I I think one week is a little bit too early to judge how they're handling something like that. Up next, we go to Richard. Are you on the line? Can you guys hear me now? Yes, yes, we can hear you. How are you doing, Richard? Awesome. awesome. Actually, this is going to be my first and last cafe hangout because I'm actually going back to work on Monday, oddly enough. What do you do? Uh, I work for a uh, building services, uh, building uh, supplies retailer that shall remain unnamed. Uh, But uh, they wanted to be back, and it's getting into busy season. So, thankfully, but I'm still supporting Ports Wrestling and always will to you guys. Thank you. And the uh, I Wasn't There t shirt. Oh, Uh, wonderful. I got to give a shout out to the archivist because I recently downloaded the DDT apartment show that I figured I might as well get caught up on because we got money in the bank coming up. Okay. And uh, also I wanted to discuss a little bit about the video game because we all know that that was a piece of crap and you knew they probably weren't going to be doing anything for 2K21. Um, But the other thing you kind of needed to know too is that we're going into another round of video game consoles again soon with the next uh, PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X coming out. So they probably thought that, you know what, let's give it a rest for this year. And, of course, the whole pandemic happening kind of gave another reason for that. And uh, maybe go look for another developer who didn't bake that piece of crap. That's my opinion anyway. 
Uh, very possible. I guess I, I, I don't really know the ins and outs of, I think, exactly what's going on with the video game side of things too well. Um, is that even um, something, like, what would that entail to find a different developer and how much time would that take to, you know, uh, essentially have to re rebuild an engine from, again, the ground up? Oh, that would probably take a while. They probably started all that probably when you started hearing all these really bad all these bad reviews and all the negative videos and uh, all, all the YouTube videos of all the uh, glitches that had that happened during that uh, mm. the release cycle. Like, sure, it's fixed up, but now, but still, it is not a very good game. I played it; it is just awful. So, yeah. uh, okay. Also, gonna cool. shout out to you guys. Uh, keep everything uh, relatively simple on how to explain these earnings calls. Uh, I'm just looking at the stock price right now, and they're still well, still around five bucks over. And well, do you, you think this they'll actually get up into some be back into some form of higher profitability based out of this? And based off of this what? call itself? Uh, not off the call itself, but going forward, like we know, uh, quarter two is going to be what I like to call oof. And that's going to be an interesting to see how their stock goes forward going that going forward on that. Yeah. Um, well, thank you for the call, Richard. Appreciate it. I, I think if there's something we've seen, it's that um, I, I, I really do wonder how much like declining ratings really correlates with stock price, um, because I think ultimately what they care about, at least, you know, in the short term is uh, profitability. And uh, as long as these TV deals are coming in, um, they can do a really, I mean, bad ratings, I think, are, are bad for press and bad for Outlook overall. But they'll still be able to champion, you know, record-setting profits or higher profits than they had last year's second quarter as long as this money keeps coming in. Um, you know, like if they are able to weather like the shitstorm of bad press that they've had over the past couple of weeks in a call like this and, and, and with the end result being, you know, a $15, 15% increase in their stock, I... I can't really see that changing as long as, of course, those TV deals continue to come in. John is uh, attempting to reconnect on his PC right now. And as we await him, Neil. I'm here. Oh, you're there. Wow. I've been here this whole time. Oh, I had no idea. Any thoughts? Um, no, I would just say that in this entire thing, like ultimately, like these television numbers, they are currency for these networks to to sell advertising for. And what is the ad market going to be at the moment? We saw the the, the NFL draft uh, the other night where, you know, that was considered something big for companies to be spending money on. Are they looking at wrestling as something that they can uh, reach an audience for? Uh, to me, it's it's not. I think that Number one, uh, the amount of purchasing that's out there is going to be limited and advertising spending is going to be way down. So to me, the we can look at television numbers being down as a sign of popularity, but even doing strong viewership right now, what does that ultimately mean for these networks in terms of converting these viewers into into ad revenue? Our man, Neil, are you on the line? I am. Yes. Hi, guys. How are you? Hey, Neil. Thank you for calling back. Not at all. Um, way wonderful job today. You're dealing with a lot of gremlins, and you, you, uh, you you've got that usual just serene, unflappable man. Gremlins, about you. I like it. Yeah, it's a, it's a term they use on TV here a lot whenever the things go wrong. There's gremlins in the system, but um, I don't know. I don't have much to say about the earnings call other than um, I kind of knew they'd be mega profitable still because those TV deals kind of guarantee that. And it means that those layoffs were are confirmed as being a hugely shitty thing to do at a time when those people have nowhere else to go and and won't have anywhere else to go really in the, well, short to medium term. What I really wanted to bring up was um, John's interview with Pat LaPrad, which I thought was terrific. Um, and I'm really looking forward to reading the book. John, I believe you said that you had got an advanced copy of it on a previous show. So you, I, I assume you have you've read the the book. Yes. And you recommend it. Yes. As I said in the interview, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. I, I don't think you've actually listened to the entire. How, thing. how dare you? I have. There's lots about Montreal and lots about uh, the Grand Prix and 
things like that. I, I, I may have missed. Uh, I may have missed your um, your imprimatur. I, I recommend the book. It's it's excellent. I'm looking forward to it. It's not out here yet. Um, it's going to. There's a couple of weeks of delay, but I want to tell you just um, a very very brief anecdote. Um, my very first wrestling show was uh, that I attended as a kid was um, the um, WWF's as was first ever um, tour to Ireland um, and they were in Belfast at a venue called the King's Hall that doesn't exist anymore and it was almost exactly um, 29 years ago April 26th 1991 and on the card Jimmy Snooker Brooklyn Brawler Jim Neidhart, Haku, the Barbarian, Greg Valentine, Jake Roberts, Berserker, Kerry Von Erich, Warlord, Davy Boy Smith, Earthquake, Roddy Piper, Ted DiBiase with Sensational Sherry, and Andre the Giant with the Rockers defeating Mr. Fuji and the Orient Express. And that, because I was very young, is the only match I actually remember because... Andre, who, who was extremely limited in what he could do at the time, but is is still the you know I was young obviously, but you know even at that age, I can remember seeing him, and you know I, I at that stage wouldn't have been able to compute that oh look how limited he is you know all he was doing was really backing up into all three of the other opposing team you know in the turnbuckle and and, and laying his hands on their heads if you think but it was more kind of the not just the spectacle of the guy like a sideshow or, or sorry a, a freak show kind of way you know in a distasteful way but the aura and the just you know the kind of other otherworldliness of of this amazing presence you know so I just wanted to share that, that the, the first the first wrestling show I ever saw was um, or ever attended I should say was um, Andre was wrestling and I, I guess at the very very tail end of his tenure with 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 Vince because um, he was cornering I think um, for some teams on that on that tour and maybe on a few things afterwards but I mean he wasn't on it was a surprise to us because they don't release the cards or they didn't for house shows in those days and um, he wasn't on Superstars he wasn't on Wrestling Challenge as a as a featured person but everybody knew who he was so there you are a, a, a story I hope it wasn't too boring <laughs> for you but I just wanted to share a memory of Andre because I am looking forward to reading that book Thank you for the call, Neil. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Okay. All right. We're going to take one more call before we get to our thoughts on NXT. Caller, please unmute yourself. You're on the air. Hi, that can hear all right? We can hear you. Who's this? Perfect. Hi, man. Uh, long time, first time, as they say. Actually just upgraded to the espresso today. So oh, thank you so much. The, I appreciate it. I meant to respond to you. And join the Hangout as well. Um, it was just a quick one. Um, you guys obviously talking about ratings dropping and things like that. How low do you think they'd have to get before they just WWE just puts on like a best of show? They have the library for it. The ratings were higher a few weeks ago when they were showing the older matches and things. Do you think it's ever a route they'd go down? And I'll uh, I'll leave you with that. Hope to catch up more in the future. Thank you so much. Thank Colin. you. Um, I, I I don't think that's going to be. Um a realistic option that they'll take. I mean, these, these numbers are, you know, we're, we're getting down, you know, 1.8 million for, for SmackDown or for raw 2.1 for SmackDown. I can see them decreasing a little bit more, um, but I don't see them, you know, blowing up there. I mean, it, it's, they're so tied to doing these shows. I mean, that if there is a lesson to be learned of the past uh, month and a half, it's, they are not hitting the pause button, regardless of, of anything in their surroundings that uh, I think they will continue. Um, maybe you re reintroduce, uh, you know, Vince McMahon did bring up the idea of getting away from the empty arena setting that they're stuck in match after match and, and thus doing more of a pre-tapes and stuff like that. And maybe they reintroduce some like older matches and stuff that they were doing initially, but uh, completely doing a best of, I definitely don't see that happening, nor do I think that would... Um, that's not going to help your numbers. That's only going to decrease it that much further. Quickly, John, some thoughts on uh, NXT. Um, I thought it was a 
I guess the Drake Maverick thing was the most interesting thing on the show of what they're doing with him at the moment, uh, losing to Jake Atlas and pretty much just telling the story that, um, you know, the world's going through a crisis. He was fired and man, he better win these matches or else he's going to be unemployed. It's a very bizarre story, um, but it kind of feels like the biggest story they're pushing right now in NXT. It is so incredibly strange, and I, I, I really, I really do wonder how it all came about. I mean, I really don't think that they are, you know, I don't think the whole thing is a work. I, I truly do believe that Drake Maverick was on a list, and that perhaps one hand didn't really know what the other was doing, in, in realizing that oh, the guy that we're about to release is actually a part of this tournament, and I can see a scenario where, seeing that both things have occurred. Drake Maverick or whoever attached to the whole project would suggest using it for storyline. Coming out of this, though, I mean, seeing all the t- amount of TV time that they're devoting to Drake Maverick on last night's episode, as well as I would say, like the grand swell of support. I mean, and how could you not have that support? You know, you, you have the biggest baby face really on in the tournament, if not even the entire show coming out of this. I can't see them letting him go after all this. Oh, Jesus. Alrighty. <laughs> We've lost John again. This show has been a mess, but I apologize, and I also thank everybody for uh, bearing with us. We have done our best to try to cover everything with the earnings calls. Um, very quickly, in case you guys aren't aware, as far as ratings go for last night, AEW Dynamite, 731,000, finishing 24th for, for the night in cable. Uh, with a 0.25 in the prime demographic. NXT fell 4% to 665,000 viewers, doing a 0.18 in the demo, barely making it, placing them 50th for the night. So that's really it. Um, Again, apologies, everybody, for uh, some of the technical issues on this show. We are just way too popular, evidently, on a Friday, and that's the excuse that I'm going to use. Thank you, everybody, for joining us in the live chat room. Jordan Yates, Jake... Andrew McDonald, Eric Marcotte, uh, Bruhaven, Scott Douglas, all you guys. You guys are champs. If Without you guys, I'd be all here by myself. Incredibly lonely. Shout out to Bethany as well and Philip LeMasters. We'll be back here at a regular time Thursday at 3 o'clock next week. But uh, until then, as um, uh, Neil mentioned, John has a great interview with Pat LaProd right now uh, that is currently on our free feed. Tomorrow, Rolina Smackdown on Saturday afternoon. We'll be delaying that as well just a bit. Um, and then I believe on Sunday, I'm back with uh, Pauline for a Total Bellas review on our Patreon. And then uh, we're going to announce it right now, actually. A very special interview John just conducted with John Moxley that we're going to be dropping on our free feed Monday morning. So that will be an exclusive, and you guys can all look forward to that. And I guarantee you, there will be zero technical issues for any of those shows. So until then, thank you guys for joining us. My name is Way. Goodbye. Goodbye.